But this morning, we turn our attention to the second week of Advent. Last week, we, uh, Pastor Colby led us through Isaiah 9, where we're going to be back there today. And each of the four Sundays, we're going to be looking at different aspects of Jesus from Isaiah. Last week, we looked at Jesus, the birth of the Savior, or Jesus as the child. Today, we're going to look at Jesus as the light. And then in the coming weeks, the king, the servant. And then Christmas morning. Can you believe that Christmas is on December 25th this year? Yeah, and that's a Sunday, okay? So go ahead, 10 o'clock, Sunday morning, December 25th. We're going to be here, all of us. We're going to have a Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock on the 24th. But on Sunday morning, the 25th, we'll be here gathered together at 10 o'clock. What time? 10 o'clock, we'll be here for worship service, and we're going to look at Jesus and his kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus that that Sunday morning. So that's kind of where we're going. But this morning, I turn our attention to Isaiah 9, verse 2, and we'll get started. Isaiah says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land. And as we said, Pastor Colby told us, encouraged us last week to feel the darkness. Those who live in a dark land are death's shadow. Death's shadow. Those who live in death's shadow, the light will shine on them. Father, we thank you this morning that Jesus truly is the light of the world. And Father, this light has come into the world, Father, to expose the darkness of the world, to expose the darkness of our own heart. Father, we might be changed, that we might have hope, that we might have a relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for the light of the world. Father, we pray this morning that we would rejoice in that light. Father, that we would reflect that light to the world. Father, we would recognize it, first of all, and receive the light into our lives. Thank you that you have sent the light into the world. And Father, there are still many today in this world, even in this room, who are walking in darkness. Living in the shadow of death, death's shadow. I pray that today the light of the gospel would bring forth life into their hearts today. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I I told Pastor Colby this week that as he was preaching Sunday, I, I was personally just challenged thinking about the darkness around us, the times that we live in. You know, the darkness he mentioned behind us, things in our past that we all have to deal with. But most importantly, and I guess most challengingly, would be the darkness within us. The things that we all like to kind of stuff into a closet to give the appearance that we have a house in order. And certainly we can relate to the darkness. What I want to do this morning is go back with us for just a moment and point out that why, why the people in Isaiah's day were living in darkness. And it's important because the darkness, as Colby said last week, points us to the light. The land, uh, Isaiah said, was living in death's shadow. That's the reason things were so dark. In Matthew chapter 4, the gospel writer says this, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land in shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. So here's, here's what we, we talked last week about feeling the darkness. Why was there darkness? Because they were living in the shadow of death. Now we know, we understand that, that anything that stands between us and the sun casts a shadow and puts us in darkness. It's interesting, I was reading this week about a city 
of about 400 people in Austria that lives in the shadow, listen to me, of Rat Mountain. The title, the name of the town is Rattenburg, Austria. Now, wouldn't you like to live in the shadow of Rat Mountain? I mean, that, that would be a thrill. So in Rattenburg, Austria, the winters there are very cold and dreary, but for all the people of Rattenburg, Austria, from November to February, they live in total, absolute darkness. You know why? Because of Rat Mountain. The mountain shadows the village. Now, in 1400, the village was built there on the side of Rat Mountain. I love saying Rat Mountain. Rat Mountain. It was built on the side of the shadow, uh, I mean, on the side of Rat Mountain to protect the villagers from the bandits in the area. They had security there. But the same mountain that protects them also prevents the sun from shining on this little village of 400 people from, as I said, from November to February. They live in total darkness. Mayor Franz Wurzenrainer, this, remember this is Austria, Franz Wurzenrainer says, the winter shade has driven 10% of our citizens out of the village in the past five years, as well as discouraging tourists. Now, why would anybody want to go to Rattenburg anyway? Well, they have some of the finest glass makers in the world. They have some of the finest glassmakers in the world. So some tourists do come to Rattenburg. So Mayor Franz is worried about the tourists. Local doctors have become very familiar with what is termed SAD, S-A-D, seasonal affected depression. The people of Rattenburg, remember, they live in darkness from November to February. The people of Rattenburg, according to the doctor, are characterized by extreme sadness accompanied by tiredness, sleeping problems, and the feeling, quote, of being good for nothing. That's Dr. Franz Schwanitz. Now, if you're, taking, if you're scoring at home, that's two Franz in one service, okay, in one sermon. So we got Dr. Franz, uh, and then we got the mayor Franz, okay? So that's two Franz. So something had to be done to get light to this village. So in 2005, they came up with a plan. In 2005, scientists devised a plan where they could put 30 huge mirrors in a neighboring village and reflect sunlight around the mountain into Rattenburg, Austria, okay? They could put up 30 huge mirrors to reflect sunlight into Rattenburg at a cost of $2.4 million. The people of Rattenburg were thrilled. With this system, Leopold Kisslinger, I'm gonna get all these, Leopold Kisslinger says, with this system, tourists will come in mass, even if it's only to see how these mirrors work. <laughs> Said Leopold Kisslinger, who owns one of the village's six glass works. And here's his quote, glass has always saved Rattenburg. See, the people of Isaiah's day we're living in a shadow as well. But it wasn't the shadow of a mountain. It was the shadow of death. The shadow of death. They weren't living in a physical darkness because of the shadow. They were living in spiritual darkness because of the shadow 
of death. The people, as we see in 9-2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, death's shadow, the light will shine on them. Let me just briefly remind you, why was it so dark in Isaiah's day? We see a couple of reasons here. Verse 17, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will even look eagerly for him. Why were they living in darkness? Number one, the Lord was hiding his face from the people of Jacob. Let me say that again. The Lord was hiding his face from the people of Jacob. Now, church, that to me is the worst thing that could ever be said about any people, any nation, anywhere, any time. I was reminded of Samson. If you're familiar with the story of Samson, Samson had this great strength and he would do all these things, you know. Uh, but when, when, the, when they cut his hair, the scripture says that Samson did not realize that the spirit of the Lord had left him. But what a sad statement. But the Lord was so put out and put up with the nation of Israel, the people of Jacob, that he was hiding his face from that nation. That, church, is a time of darkness and distress. See, Psalm 34, 15 says this. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are upon their, open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. It's just, it's a physical picture. I mean, it's a picture, a literal picture of what we do physically. The Lord's ears are attentive to the righteous. He's listening to their prayers, to their every word. But the scripture says his face is turned away from evildoers. That's why it was so darkness. So, so dark, the people of Isaiah's day were doing their own thing. They were living in rebellion. They were living in evil. So much so that God turned his face away. He was hiding his face. See, the picture of God's face is a picture of his love and mercy. Number 624, the blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. That's a blessing. The Lord make his face shine on you. You know, think about what Psalm 105 verse 4 says, seek the Lord continually. Or seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Think about, you know, my dad was not an affectionate person. He he grew up old school. And I remember in college, my freshman year after I became a Christian, I told him on the phone, Daddy, I love you. And his response was, that's always been understood. <laughs> he got better as the, age, as the days went on. But I still remember as a child wrestling with my daddy, and I remember the whiskers on his face. I remember the, the intimacy there, just playing with my dad and his face. See, so many times we want to seek the hand of the Lord to do things for us, don't we? Church, what we need to be doing is seeking the face of the Lord, to seek his favor, to seek his character to seek his blessing, to seek his mercy. And one of the reasons it was so dark in Isaiah's day, listen to me, the Lord was hiding his face from the people. Can you imagine 
Any worse statement or condemnation than that? They were, the Lord had hide, was hiding his face. The people of Isaiah's day were living as evildoers to the extent that the Lord had removed his blessing. He turned his face away. There was darkness because the Lord was hiding his face. There was darkness because they had rejected his word. Look at verse 19. When they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn, they have no light. They had rejected God's word. They were consulting the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter. That was a custom of the day. They had forsaken the law and the testimony. Let me tell you, the sign of spiritual darkness is when any society abandons the truth of God's word. Any society, anywhere, anytime, when we abandon the truth of God's word, we're headed for living in darkness, in darkness. The psalmist says, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Is this not where we are today? Ravi Zacharias says that we have exchanged reason. We have reason has replaced revelation. Reason has replaced revelation. As a result of forsaking God's word, Isaiah says they have no dawn. They have no light. They live, verse 21 and 22, they lived in distress and darkness. Behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. Remember the people of Rattenburg? They were described by Dr. Franz as being extremely sad, tired, having problems sleeping, and had the feeling of being good for nothing because they lived in physical darkness. That's what physical darkness will do to us. Seasonal affected depression. But what about spiritual darkness? What are the symptoms of spiritual darkness? See, evil has always been equated with darkness. Paul told the church at Ephesians, you were once living in darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. David read a while ago when the light came into the world that he was not received by the world. You know why? Jesus said in John 3, men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Whether we like to admit it or not, Jeremiah had it right. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately what? Wicked. We, we, we gravitate toward the darkness. We gravitate toward the things of the night. We do things in darkness we wouldn't do in the light because light always exposes darkness, always. Light always overcomes darkness. But they were living in despair and darkness because there was no light. Darkness was all around. As a nation, we are leading the world in pornography, drug and alcohol abuse, abortion, and crime. Our culture seems to be growing darker every day. See, the problem with darkness is that if we're not careful, we can grow accustomed to it. When Teresa and I were first married, this is way before children, I remember I came home one night from work I was coaching, and she had a candlelight dinner, and she had music playing. And as I sat down for this candlelight dinner and music playing, 
my response was, I can't see what I'm eating and I can't hear what you're saying. Isn't that romantic? Guys, I don't recommend it. Is that not true? That's not true. But after sitting in the darkness for a few minutes, I began to distinguish the napkin rings from the rolls. You know why? Because my eyes became accustomed to the darkness. <laughs> and you can ask her, that's a true story. I, there's, there are two things I've said in our marriage that I'll never say again. I mean, that's one of them. But anyway, <laughs> the problem is we grow accustomed to darkness after a while. Our eyes get adjusted. Listen to this, Vance Havner. He's great for quotes. Vance Havner says, physically man walks in unprecedented brilliance while his soul dwells in unmitigated darkness. He can release a nuclear glory that outdazzles the sun, and with it, he plans his own destruction. He can put satellites in the sky, but left to himself, he is a wandering star to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. We not only live in the dark, we get used to it, there is a slow, subtle, sinister brainwashing going on, and by it, we are gradually being desensitized to evil. Little by little, sin is made to appear less sinful until the light within us becomes darkness. And how great is the darkness. Isaiah said in Isaiah 5:20, "Woe to them who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness." Church, we need to be aware of the darkness around us, the darkness behind us, the darkness within us. And darkness comes when the Lord hides his face. Darkness comes when we dis disallow his word. And darkness comes as a result of distress and brings distress into our own life. Ours is a world filled with distress and darkness. But darkness points us to the good news of Christmas, doesn't it? Darkness points us to the light. I love the quote by Max Licato talking about that first Christmas. He said, the angels came in the night because that's when lights are best seen and that's when they are needed the most. In the darkest of the dark. So number two, the people were looking for the light of dawn. Isaiah says in verse two, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in death's shadow, the light will shine on them. Christmas is the announcement that God, from God that light has come, that light has dawned. And if you're, if you're an early riser, you know the beauty of the morning, don't you? You know that the dawn is different. Sunsets are beautiful. I'm a fan of sunsets. But when the sun is coming up, and a new day has dawned. There are very few things that are as bright and beautiful because a new day brings hope, doesn't it? See, the, the Lord's compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. When the light comes up in the morning, the sun comes up in the morning, a new day is dawned. And that's what God promised to the nation of Israel, that there would be a light, a light. This is the promise of God. This is the promise of the gospel. How can we experience the light to the fullest? Four things. First of all, recognize the light that's offered in his word. Recognize it. See, many people miss the light. And they miss the light for many reasons. As I said, sometimes, as Jesus said, it's just because men love darkness rather than light. As John said, they reject the light. Why? Because the light exposes who we are. Light, you know, James uses the analogy of a mirror. 
James says when we look into the word of God, it's like looking at our own reflection in a mirror. We see who we really are. And if you like me, you don't like that. You don't like that one bit. But light brings understanding. It, it, it enlightens us. And we want to run from the light because we don't like who we really are. But we need to recognize the light that has come. And it's come for a purpose, to change who we really are, to bring us out of darkness into the light. Christmas reminds us that God has sent the light. The light has dawned. The light has come. And God has fulfilled the promise of his word. The light has come, and it came to us in the form of a child, as we saw last Sunday. For unto us a child is born, a son will be given to us. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light, listen to me, of life. The light of life. See, we no longer have to live in the shadow of death's mountain. We no longer have to live in the fear of death itself. We no longer have to live in the darkness of sin and distress because God has given us a light. And that light is the light of Jesus. John said in John 1, 4, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. That's why so many people miss the light today. So I want to encourage you, recognize the light. Don't miss it. Don't miss the light of this Christmas. Recognize what God has done for us. Secondly, receive the light of his son. Advent reminds us that the light has come and is available to all of us who seek him. It's interesting. Look at Isaiah 8 here for just a minute. In verse 17, it says, they were, I will even look eagerly for him. Verse 19, they will consult the mediums and the spiritists. Verse 22, they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness. In verse 21, it said that they will be enraged and curse their king. It would turn out when they are hungry, they will be enraged and curse their king and their God as they face upward. So what, what were they? They were looking for answers. They became angry with God and the government because they weren't, you know, they weren't finding satisfaction there. They looked to the earth, to the spiritists and the mediums. They were searching for answers but could find nothing, nothing. There are people today who are doing the very same thing. They're looking for answers through the world of academics, through athletics, through relationships, through finances, through careers, power, prestige, but they're still coming up zero, zero. They find no answers. They're searching. But let me tell you, God has sent the light into the world. And if we will receive the light of Christ into our life, if we will receive his light, recognizing his light, John 1, there was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Every man will stand before Jesus. Every man will be exposed to this light. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. What does it mean to receive the light, to receive Christ, to do exactly what John says here? You believe the gospel. 
You believe in his name. Believe that we were all born in darkness and sin. That's the cause of our distress and darkness. The result of our sin is death. The Bible says the soul that sins shall surely die. And we've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. The darkness and distress that we see all around us. Isn't it funny how people want to start questioning God when bad things happen, but the bad things are the result of our sin and our disobedience? We see the darkness of sin all around us in the world we live in. But Christ came as the Savior of the world to take our sin upon himself, and he died in our place on the cross. His death was the one sacrifice that God will accept for one person for all time, for all people for all time. Because our sin was placed upon him. But here's the good news. As Christ takes our sin, we take his righteousness. We are justified by faith. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's amazing. That is amazing. Somebody ought to write a song about that. That is amazing grace. What God has done for us in the gospel. So what do we do? We acknowledge our darkness. We acknowledge our distress. Would you be honest enough to this morning to admit, hey, I'm in distress. I've got some problems. There's darkness in my life continually, and I need to have a relationship with God. I need to have my life put together, to have peace with God. The word peace means to be made whole. There's some real gaps in my life right now. Like Rocky said, I got gaps. Adrian's got gaps. We all got gaps. We got problems in our life. God puts us together. God puts, he makes us whole as we receive Christ. We trust in him. His death is payment for our sin and we receive his righteousness as a gift. When we do this, John says, we become God's children. Notice that we're born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. That's when the Spirit of God comes into our life and changes us from the inside out. Receive the light. Jesus said in John 6, 37, whoever comes to me, I will not turn him away. Rejoice in the light. Look at verse, chapter 9, verse 3. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence and the gladness of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. You remember the people of Rattenburg? They had sadness, seasonal affected depression. They were so excited about this project in 2005 to bring sunlight into their village in the dead of winter for the first time ever. But I have to report from the research I've done, the project was never completed. The European Union said they'd pay half of the 2.4 million, but they have never come up with the rest of the cost of the project. So what's happening? The people in Rattenburg are still living in darkness about right now. Total darkness, absolute darkness. Why did they fail? The the project failed because it was too costly, too costly. They were excited, but they can't rejoice today. You and I can rejoice. Christmas reminds us Yes, it was costly. What did it cost God? It cost God his own son. But God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. 
God sent his own son into the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So we can rejoice because the light has come. It was costly, but the cost reminds us how much God loves us. How much God loves us. He gave his only son. We were living in death's shadow, but now our Lord has conquered death and darkness. And once for all, he's removed the sting of death. So we can rejoice because we know what Christmas is all about. Do we not? And then lastly and quickly, reflect his light to the world. Again, thinking about this little village, waiting for those mirrors to come and reflect the sunlight. And as far as we know, it'll never come. But yet you and I have the privilege of reflecting Christ every day, the glory, the light of Christ. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, but he also said, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine. But the light that we have is the light of Christ. I I love, tonight's gonna be great with the preschool. I don't know all that they're doing, but several years ago, we had a preschool presentation at First Baptist Sylacauga and little Jackson Lay was five years old. And they were doing different parts of, you know, scripture memory and something, you know, one's I am the, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And little Jackson stood up and said, and Jesus said, I am so nervous. <laughs> We'd laugh about that at our house all the time. And Jesus said, I am so nervous. But there was another play and they were doing the same thing. One little boy had, I am the bread of life. The little little girl said, I am the resurrection. And the little girl who was supposed to say, I am the light of the world, she had practiced her lines with her mom over and over again. And she was standing here and her mom was off stage and she stood up and the mom said, I'm the light of the world. And the mom said again, I'm the light of the world. And finally the little girl looked at, my mom is the light of the world. (laughs) Yes, her mom is the light of the world, but you also are the light of the world. But let me close with this thought. Before you can be the light of the world, you have to have the light in you, right? You have to have something to shine. And for us, apart from Christ, it's darkness and distress. But in Christ, the light of the gospel shines forth through his spirit in each of us. You remember Franz the mayor? Franz, the doctor, Leopold, the glassmaker. As a matter of fact, all the citizens of Rattenburg living in darkness, they don't need mirrors, they need Jesus. Glass will not save them. And it won't be the sunlight of mirrors that changes their life. It'll be the light of the gospel. You know, as we rejoice in the light, do we not have an obligation to send the light? through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering to those who've never heard around the world. Many, some can go, but all of us can give and all of us can pray so that the light of the gospel can be reflected around the world to unreached people all over the world. But this morning, you have to have the light in you before it can be reflected to others. Do you have a relationship? Have you received the light? Do you know that Christ is living and well in your heart today? If not, come. We want, we'd love to share with you how you can know Christ, how you can receive that light today, and how you can have your light changed to move out of darkness and distress into the light of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending the